Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Hi, guys. How are you? Very well. Hey, my beautiful friends. (laughs) What have you guys been up to? Oh, what's your watch been up to, Clark? My watch just said hello as if it's my beautiful friend. Uh, I feel like I was talking to Schmitty and Swanee, not you, mate. I don't understand how that function works, but my phone, Uh, or sorry, my watch does that occasionally. And I'm so embarrassed. Sometimes it starts repeating what I've said or it's trying to answer something. I think, oh, God, stop. No, don't, don't, don't. I don't don't know how to do it. Or I have no answer for that. Yeah, I've heard it several times on this show where it just says, I don't understand what you're asking. I bet you, I'm sure you've heard it many times on this show. I don't understand. I don't want to understand. Has anyone got any news? We are doing 10,000 steps a day for October and it is the 4th of October and we've done 10,000 steps every day. So we're four from four. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's steps for me. Yeah. I'm oh. doing about 500 at the moment. But I'm, <laughs> I'm aiming to get a little bit higher as I build up my leg again. Nice. What do you have to do to get to 10,000 for you in your life? What would that involve? Yes. Well, so this morning I got up, we've got a treadmill. So oh, I got okay. up in the dark and did five and a half thousand. Then I went to work and did about 2,000 for the whole day at work. So then we had to come home and do laps of the paddock to try to get up to <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's good. Oh, that is good. There you go. Yeah. Anyone else got any news? I went up to the houseboat for the first time in a long time because of the surgery, and uh, I walked up the ladder a few times, Ooh. and I've been stiff and sore <laughs> for two days as a result. And my physio came in today, and I said, "Oh, I went up the ladder a bit," and she was like, "Hmm," and I said, "I figured if I can, I should." Or, you know, okay, if I can, if my, if my body says it's okay, she's like, yeah, and but that's why you're sore. Mm. I was like, all right. <laughs> but um, that was good. What about you, Swanee? School holidays, oh. your favourite time of the year? <laughs> well, it is when you've got fun stuff on, but this is a bit of a nothing holiday, so I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. And, uh, yeah, no news. You should teach the kids to sing that Christmas song, It's the Most Wonderful time of the year. We've that already got like to your a point where we're just avoiding thing. each other. We're basically just yeah, avoiding right. each other. I'm trying to avoid and how, and how far into a school holidays are you? Well, it's a it's a short one, but it feels long. Like when we, when they say two weeks, it's more than two weeks because they finish a little bit early and they don't go back until sort of like you know Tuesday and Wednesday next week. So I've still got them for like another oh. week and I I just I don't I didn't handle this one very well I think I was still riding high on last holiday and I probably should have gone east and organized that early enough to go and see our family but it, I just didn't so it hasn't really played out so well and it's well I think I, I think congratulations that you haven't murdered anyone yet well so, you it's, know, it's, we're still give not yourself a pat on the back no so I know far. but so far. that's right yeah 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 that is something to be proud of we should introduce ourselves and so I'm Schmitty I'm Swanee and I'm Clarky, and together we are Trial by Wine. Speaking of which, my wine's nearly empty. Goodness, that and happened. And you're having a delicious drink, aren't you? You're having a rosé. We're having a Pizzini Rosetta Sangiovese Nebbiolo rosé, or as we like to call it because we're classy, a rose, darling. Having a I rose. thought you were going to shorten it because it had so many names. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a... 
RSJ or I don't even the national. You know, what did you say it was? Yes. A, a, it's a, it's a, a Sangiovese Nebbiolo rose, but they call it Rosetta. Rosetta. SNR. We SNR. call it rose. What about everyone I'm else? Drinking, I don't know how to say it, Carla. How's your French? Would that be Dupre? I can't read it. Dupere or Dupere? Dupere. Anyway, some French uh, sparkling of, sorry, it's actually a French champagne rosé, which I bought for the occasion of our anniversary. Oh. <gasps> When's that? Uh, there you go. That's <laughs> today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for anyone who missed it on our socials. Yeah, get on our socials and you can see us uh, toasting our great brilliance ourselves. If you were going to get on our socials, where would you go, Schmitty? You go to Try By Wine on Facebook. You can also find us at Try By Wine Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, you can email us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Oh, Thanks for the reminder. I'm on, it. I'm on it now. I'm going to get on that. <laughs> oh. And, Swanee, what have you got today? What are you drinking? Oh, uh, well, I've had to put my – I've had a couple of bubbles for our mm-hmm. anniversary. And uh, at the moment, I'm just having a nice sparkling water to uh, cleanse my palate and keep my throat uh, moisturized while we start my story. All right. Well, without any further ado, Shall we? what have you got for us today? Okay. Yep. Well, I was going down a slightly different avenue. And when I remembered that it was our anniversary, I thought, oh, the other one was quite macabre. But I thought I might just park that for another time and I might get something else that might, you know, Raise a smile a little bit more. So hopefully, like we'll... celebratory murders. Is this? Yeah, what... like that. Like, <laughs> of course, there's murders. something involved. You know, it's not all shits and giggles. Um, something, <laughs> something dire does happen. But the framing around all of it, I really got a tickle out of. So hopefully, everybody will enjoy some of that as well because I, I did enjoy that aspect of it. There was a little bit of a, a backstory. Well, so um, I'm intrigued. Without further ado, can I introduce you to mm. a chap whose name, very frustratingly. I've seen it referred to many different ways. So what I will end up doing is just starting to call him by his first name in the, so that I don't say his surname incorrectly. But we're going to meet a chap called Bernie Teeter, which is also known as TD. And the way, reason is it's spelled T-I-E-D-E. TD? Teeter? Tidy? Tidy. Tidy. Teedy. Teedy. Teedy is the way I say it, but I've also heard it pronounced Teeter. So yes. TD is what it should be i think it's um it's it's a foreign name it's a german name I'd correct say. that's mm. absolutely right and they would say and that's TD. why it is t because i when your e follows the i in german yeah. you say it as an e so it's sound td yeah i think you're right so when i was i'll tell you you yes. it'll make sense why other people call it teeter later on because of where and, and is the us silent after td <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely yes it is okay i'll tell you my sources because oh, yeah. that might give you a a little bit of a insider's Lad Bible. No Lad Bible. Oh. It's been ages since we've had Lad Bible. Or the Smithsonian. I didn't check that either. Oh. Oh. Encyclopedia Britannica. Of the range, of the <laughs> the, where I found this story was a website called Ranker.com. What? Ranker. R-A-N-K-E-R. Not Ranker. I was going to say, I don't recall seeing that there. I didn't know they were into true crime. And then I found other references, uh, ABC News, Crime Vault website, and some of my favourites are Dr. Todd Grande, which yeah. is a, well, I guess, if what's it called if it's a podcast, if you can see it? A blog. Is it? A vlog. A vlog. A vlog. A vlog. Yeah, blog. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then a vlog. A variety. Variety. Right. So Ooh. that should. Is that a, a bit source? Of it. it is. Ooh. As is also yeah. the IMDb. You know the International Movie Database. 
Okay, and then I'll also be using Wikipedia. And I, Wikipedia is the best source for this story in terms of a timeline, so I will reference it quite a lot. Yeah, putting it in because that's the hardest part, timeline, right? Yeah. And this is sort of there's yeah. it, the timeline's quite important, so I can give you all the color and whatever else, but I will need to reference Wikipedia in terms of how it all played out. Okay, so let's start with Bernie Teedy um, and where he was born. So he was born on August two, nineteen fifty eight, in Tyler, Texas. And he was a son of Bernard Tidy, because he's Bernard Tidy too, remember, uh, who mm-hmm. was a native of Vlon Oblast in the Ukraine, and he was of German descent. So there you're right, Schmitty, you got it already. And then, so his father, Bernard Tidy, had immigrated in 1926 as a child with his family to the United States. The elder Tidy had served as a professor of music and choral director at Our Lady of the Lake College in San Antonio, Texas at Southern Methodist University in Dallas and at Kilgore College in Kilgore and then McMurray College in Abilene, where he served as director of the McMurray Chanters until his death. So a very musical family. You know, they're, they're, mm. at their very heart, is that's what their dad's profession is and it's certainly probably a big part of their life as well. In addition to his work at the university, as a university professor, the elder Teedy also served as church music director and a vocal performer. Bernie Teedy's mother was his father's first wife, and her name was Lella Mae Jessup. Yep. Got it. So we've got Bernie Teedy, Bernie Teedy second. Yeah, just so our 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 our, you know hero whatever else his 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 mother. Yeah, had been married to the professor of music. I was Uh, I was trying to plot that out on a mental whiteboard until I realised it actually wasn't complicated at all. Well, I should have said Bernie Teedy second's mother. There you go. They had married in 1957 and Bernie was born the next year in Abilene, Texas. However, Jester was killed in an automobile accident when the boy was just two years old. So he lost Who's his Jester? Mom. The mum. his mum? His mother. Yeah. 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 So he lost yeah. his mum very Correct. early on. Just checking. No problem. <laughs> in 1963, the father married Clara Catherine Wiley, who became his stepmother, and I believe they had another child. His father died in Abilene when he was 15. And at that point, he was left with his stepmother and um, little sister. So he graduated from high school in 1976. And he took a, a, a job around this time in a local funeral home to help support his stepmother and his sister. And he quite liked by all accounts. And he'd drive the purse around town. And mm. he mm-hmm. he was, you know. He, into it. He was into was it. He- into it? No, yeah, he job. wasn't. No, not like that. Oh, okay. This is what's right, really good. quite unusual about this story is he really wasn't into it in a, I don't think in a particularly macabre way. That's Clarky's alarm bell going off. Yeah, yeah. That is absolutely ringing alarm bells for me. <laughs> Anyone who has fun working in a funeral home. Well, I think that he kind of enjoyed it and it sort of played to some of the things that they'd had in their upbringing, which was the church and music. Death. And to be honest, it was ritual. Correct. And so what happened Mm. was he discovered that he quite, I wouldn't say enjoyed it, but he did enjoy it. He was good at it. So he went and studied and he went to mortuary school. Oh, like like was good at it and so got some level of satisfaction out of it as opposed to. Totally. Just enjoying it. No, not enjoying it. It was more like. Not sexually. It was a career (laughs) path. Right. Right. And you know, death and taxes. You're always going to have work yeah. if you're working. And I think that in, you know, a, he, you know, mortuaries. He and I sort of, I will go on to this, but he, he did it because he enjoyed it. He did it because he was good. And I think that there was a sort of a 
there was a connection between his upbringing and mm. certainly the musical side of it. I, I don't think many of us think of funerals in that respect, but in Texas, if you're having a funeral and you're going to a funeral home, there's lots of singing and, you know, it's got a lot to do with worship and church. It's not just about a funeral, you know, it, it, a lot of these things came together. So his musical background played into it. And I think that he would not only be able to respect people who had passed, he was able to bring this beautiful sort of joy of his love of music into his treatment of people and then also how he then worked within the funeral home. Is it true that he used to like to dress up as Cher and sing If I Could Turn Back Time? <laughs> well, I'd have to say no, but maybe. <laughs> okay. maybe yeah. but, but when I get on further, perhaps. <laughs> Disco Inferno? No, that burn, definitely not. Burn, baby, burn, any of those? for the cremation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> So we then have to, we move our story sort of from where he'd sort of grown up in Texas to a town called oh. Carthage. And mm-hmm. it has been described as one of the, you know, one of the best small towns in Texas. And it's in East Texas. And by all accounts, it is one of those little towns that it feels like it's everybody knows everybody's business. And when he came to the town, he was employed by the Hawthorne Funeral Home. And the director of the funeral home there, I think he must have put out a job application or not a job application, what's it called? It's a job. An ad. Yeah, yeah, an ad for a job. And Bernie had replied and he said, oh, I thought that he would be okay. But he said, you know, I cannot believe how good he was at his job. Anyway, so he came across to Carthage and he became assistant funeral director at the Hawthorne Funeral Home. Truthfully, once he got there, he became a real star of the local community because everybody knows somebody who's died. And I think there probably weren't too many funeral homes. I don't know if there was any other funeral homes. There was certainly this one. And did, he bran- did he branch out into live shows or anything? No, but um, it was a sort of a, the, a the best. The best way I can describe oh, no. it is like a full. Where that question came it's from. a full <laughs> service kind of experience and that's something that I didn't really wasn't only able to get my head around so he he does get too involved in his job if he's giving full service so what he did was when he got when he got to the funeral home the director has said he bought this sort of panache to funerals and the way people mourned and he was able to make people really feel like they were part of something that was beautiful and what's important Mm. is he started you know he would he would collect the bodies from somebody's home to start with so let's say that's his first point of contact. So he's going and meeting quite often, you know, a widow, a widow, or whatever. He takes the body with respect to the funeral home. And once he's there, he's the person who, I think the word's embalmed, is it when he gets the bodies yep. ready? Yeah. And yep. he would do their makeup. And I've seen a piece where it shows him and talking about how he has all of these things and everything's all about giving dignity to the body. And so that when the mourners see the body, it is... A positive experience you know here so you know, it didn't matter if someone had been hit by a car or they died of natural causes or they choked on a piece of meat or whatever he was able to put them back together and give them you know a bit of a a glow up I think is what they currently say I think the young kids did he did he look like Bob down no he did not look like Bob down he That's was sort I'm of a short saying. sort of heavy set gentleman and he Danny DeVito not that short <laughs> But so so imagine that he's, you, you, you've taken he's taken the body he's then got the body ready for the funeral itself and then during the funeral he not only oversees the the ceremony but then he quite often performs as well and he sings so he's right. got a beautiful voice and so all of these people in this small Texas town think he's 
a beautiful man who was looking mm. after their dead and giving great dignity and respect and a, an uplifting sort of service. And it was said at this point that he was a darling among the, I think they called them the Delols, which was the dirty, dirty, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> I cannot believe I said that. Oh, no. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> what is it really? Darling, darling <laughs> little old ladies. Oh, dirty <laughs> little old ladies. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't Oh, well, it's probably it was probably you know well loved amongst the dirty little old ladies oh, as well as the darling little I old ladies. I cannot believe I said that. I mean, I remember writing the note down. I remember going D, and then I thought, what did that stand for again? Darling little old ladies, not dirty little old ladies. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did that though, because I'm struggling to take this seriously so far. Yeah. It all just seems like a pantomime or something. It does feel a little bit like that. And I think that's what attracted me to it because. One thing to note at this point is after he's finished school, after he's finished studies and he's then arrived, at this point he's sort of in his late 20s, early 30s when he's working at the funeral home in Carthage. And when I'm talking about the darling little old ladies, even the dirty ones, we're talking about elderly <laughs> ladies. We're not talking middle age. We're talking yeah. about that set who, you know, to be fair, we've been to quite a few funerals this year, but it becomes their social life in some respects. When you get to a certain age, you are going to more funerals than you're going to weddings, weddings. christings or whatever else, other sort of life events. And so they're starting to see Bernie more often. You know, he's a figurative part of their life. And then to add to that, Bernie just starts to become part of the fabric of society and he is so highly regarded because of what he does and then he's also helping young tell people at Scouts. <laughs> T- tell me he starts branching out into christenings and weddings and stuff and he's just doing wherever there's a celebration Bernie's there well he doesn't quite need to do that but he certainly <laughs> he, he plays he plays a role when I when I say this but I know that the you know the penny will drop but He's big in the musical theatre scene within town as well. Yes, I think you're trying to say he's gay. Well, I'm not trying to say he's gay, but he's not not gay. What do you mean he's not gay? Of course he's gay. He's never. We don't know his sexuality. He never comes out. He certainly likes musical theatre and the ladies. ladies, And it's a little bit flamboyant. He's a little little bit bobbed down. Well, it's very interesting (laughs) because for a little Texas town, about the sort of most and I, I might, when I say incriminating, I don't mean incriminating in like it's a bad thing, but the, the, about the most bold thing that anyone was sort of said was that he was effeminate, but they would never, they didn't think that he yeah. was necessarily gay. And I'll he join was. Join the dots for God's sake. Yes. But. I'll read between the lines. He was so involved in helping people and <laughs> <laughs> musical That is theater. exactly what I'm envisaging. Yes. I'm, I'm, well, you're doing him a favor. He's a little bit shorter. He's a bit shorter, a little bit more. He's at. He does have a moustache. Yeah. Oh, is that better? Right. Oh, Bob down. Yes, yeah, yeah, I can great. see it. No, he doesn't look like that. No, he doesn't. He's a little, yeah, he's no, a little he's heavy set, sort of little moustache man. And he's just a darling, really. And he's really looked upon with great sort of, I'm not sure of admiration, but, you know, people great kind Perfection. of affection. That's the word I'm after. By all corners of the society. And I did see that. Someone, there was like one reference to it. It said, you know, that also closeted people were quite a fan, but I couldn't then find any proof of any of that. It's really weird. It sort of, it paints a picture, but there's nothing concrete to say that that he was. It was just some of the things that were his hobbies and his interests were very effeminate. So we've got Bernie, who's very busy keeping the dead company and certainly looking after the, the, the mourners at the funeral home in Carthage, Hawthorne Funeral Home in Carthage, Texas. In 
1990, he meets a lady called Marjorie Nugent. And Marjorie has just lost her husband. And I think he just died of natural causes, to be honest. I don't don't really go into what happened to poor uh, Mr. Nugent. But they meet at the Hawthorne Funeral Home because Mrs. Nugent is organising her husband's funeral. And we, we get to meet Mrs. Nugent because she and her husband were quite wealthy within the local community. And that was because he had had been a successful, well, he was oil exploration. He'd made a lot of money in the 60s. Mm. And as I understood it, I didn't spend a lot of it. I think he invested it. So I think they were quite frugal. I don't think they lived a particularly, well, I know they didn't live a particularly flamboyant life, but they had some hardcore cash behind them and assets and they had stockbrokers and different people that ran their business interests. And it was also stated somewhere that at one point he had bought a bank in town. So it's not- Bought a bank? Bought a bank. It is possible. As you do. Not the big four. (laughs) Not Bendigo Bank either. (laughs) No. (laughs) Did it come with all the money inside? I would think so. That's why it costs so much. (laughs) Probably. So he he also had a bank, and I don't know if he had that for how long he had it for, but I have no – there's no record of it sort of going into the future, but at one point he did. So that will give you an idea. They they did have some serious coin. Anyway, so Marjorie, however, was really – the polar opposite of dear Bernie in the fact that nobody really liked Marjorie. Marjorie was had the worst reputation in town just for being, well, I hate to use it, just a bitch. She was just a mean, yes, a slack-ass mom. She was. Her own family were, like, not fans. She, she just really and truly rubbed people the wrong way. She was not a nice person. She was mean in particular, and that really didn't sit comfortable with local folk. No one really cared for her. I think her husband was, people were quite fond of him. He was a straight talker, but she had this other sort of persona that people were just not interested in weren't buying into and not sort of happy to entertain, you know, so she was very much on her own. So what Bernie did was, which apparently is what he did after all funerals, was he would follow up with the mourner or the widow or the widower. And he went to visit on, or pay a visit to Marjorie. And the first time he turned up with flowers, he always did. And she, you know, shut the door in his face. But he continued to go back and see her and bring her, you know, sweets and bubble bath and little treats to, you know, get her through this difficult time. And Marjorie then starts to let Bernie into her life because actually he was the only person who was nice to her. Yeah. 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 And he's a stalker. Yeah, he was the only person who was nice (laughs) to her. not him again. If you can't beat him, join him. (laughs) Yes. All right, Bob Down, come on in. So at this but wipe point, that ridiculous smile off your face. I, what I do love, and this is really important to know, at this point, Marjorie is seventy-five, and right. Bernie's thirty-two. There's a little, oh, just a little age gap. Yeah, the way you described him, I thought he was older. No, no, no because yeah, I, I sort of said, you know, twenties into his early thirties. I mean, he's young. I mean, yeah. I would say that at this point in my life, wouldn't he? That's so young. He's thirty-two. She's seventy-five. They start spending some time together. They go out for lunch. You know, they play cards. And he spends a little bit more time at her home. They they actually do have quite a sweet relationship and he starts to take her out. And because of his interest in musical theatre, he starts taking her to some of the productions that he's involved in. And she, for a time, seems slightly warmer. I have to say, she does seem a little bit less crabby old bitch and a bit more like, oh, my goodness, someone younger and, you know, full of joy and life and kindness is paying me Mm. attention and there's a warmth to her at this point. And they do start to spend a considerable amount of time and the people in town know and they start to say that, you know, Mrs Nugent or Ms Nugent has a companion in Bernie. And then they start to sort of up the ante a little bit and they start travelling. 
and they go on a trip to Russia. They go to Acapulco. They have is she paying? Oh yeah, they have a yeah, trip to New right. York City, and they fly first class. And by all accounts, it's a very nice life that they're starting to live. And I think she sort of thinks, well, you know what? I'm not leaving it to my family. And she's quoted as yeah. saying that I'm going to spend it. I'm going to spend it on who I like and how I like. So they yep. start living. But also, they've got life. plenty. She's got plenty. Yeah, she's of cash. got plenty. Of cash. And not? I mean, she lives in a very, uh, I wouldn't say it's just modest, but you know, she doesn't live extravagantly. Not mansioning it. No, yeah, no, not extravagant. She yeah. just, you know, they run a business. They're business people who have access to money, but you know, they work, you know, she and her husband probably work very hard to have what they have and maintain it. And then Bernie comes along and there's a little bit of, you know, I think her husband probably worked for Fun time. Exactly. Let's, so they go, start... let's go on a holiday. You're paying. It sounds awesome to me, if you don't mind me saying. I wouldn't yeah. mind it. Imagine being, no, imagine being, imagine being 75 with a bit of Josh and a 32-year-old who doesn't want anything but just wants to hang out. I'm like, oh, it's I'm not going to end well, for it. is it? Probably not. <laughs> this is trial by wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. No judgment so far. No. <laughs> Things go quite well and the two eventually become an inseparable companions even though there's sort of, you know, 40 odd years in between them. So in 1991, so remember they only met in 1990, in 1991 Nugent alters her will and she disinherits her only child who is a chap by the name of Rod Nugent and I know that he's a, a doctor but they call him something else. What do they call it if you're a doctor in America? I can't remember. Anyway, so that's so he's got his own money and she sort of says, you know, like these people have nothing to do with me anyway and he's he and his family are fine so I don't have to worry about that. I'm disinheriting him. But then she chooses to leave her entire $10 million estate to Bernie Teedy. He's dead Ooh. right there. <laughs> I don't know that. A $10 million is a death sentence. I'm calling it now. I'm getting in early. So at this point, quite early on, Bernie's still working at the funeral parlour, funeral house. Um, I don't know where I got the word parlour from. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I've come over all He's American. A funeral parlour. Yeah, funeral parlour. I've come over all seven. He should start planning his own funeral, I reckon. Funeral home? He's a well, goner. Well, in the funeral home, he would sell people their coffins. So, like, they'd come in, he'd be doing, like, this sort of sales spiel, like, yeah. you know, we'd be, oh, yeah. would you like That's this? Would happens. you like this? Oh, I think you won't fit in this. This would be way more comfortable. And then the head of the funeral home was saying that he had a, a couple of flourishes that he'd added, and it meant that for every funeral that he did, if you wanted a dove release, that they could charge people an extra $150, you know, little things like that. But it was literally yeah. from the time he took the body to doing hair and makeup and prepping them to singing at the funeral, selling them the caskets, it was an all a big I bet he did. business. Oh, what year was it, 90? 90. I bet he was doing those early DVD slideshows, PowerPoints. Oh, the probably. I, I reckon he's, he's got three months left. <laughs> he's a goner. By about 1993, so a couple of years in, more than three months, she convinces him to leave his job at the funeral home and work and be her full-time companion. So what? What in terms of work, he starts calling the stockbroker on her behalf and starts doing that. And people are a little, some feathers are ruffled certainly at this point. And, you know, the stockbroker's saying, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you. Like put Marjorie on the line. Then Marjorie's like, you know, if you don't speak to Bernie, then I'll change stockbrokers. And obviously she's probably one of the bigger, biggest clients he's got. So they all bow down and kowtow to dear old Marjorie. But their relationship sort of shifts. There's less of the sort of holidays and grandiose things of the earlier days 
And now it feels like she really is becoming much more possessive of him and having him do more menial kind of things. So controlling him. Yeah. She's controlling she's yeah, she's allowed isolated him from his job yeah, for a start exactly. that she loves. But but there's it's, it's a sort of double edged coercive control. But she does allow him access to money. So Yeah, but that's yeah. That's that's part of the coercive control Correct. is like if you if you shit me off, I'll cut you off from Correct. that money. So yeah. So that's very mm. much the dynamic that starts to evolve where you see that he's gone and bought himself a small plane. And he's gone and got himself <laughs> a license. What? That seems, it seems I, a I mean, a very small plane. But of all things, it though, seems quite. It, honestly, I'm researching another story, and that's exactly what the guy did when he came into some money. I don't know what it is. I'm like, I've gone by myself a plane. It's a fair escape <laughs> plan, though, if you are under coercive control to just buy yourself a you plane. You would think so, wouldn't you? But, you know, it, it, it plays out that he has to be available to her. When she needs him, oh, quickly come yeah. here now. He he has to clean the house. He and she gets rid of other people in the process, so that she becomes totally reliant on him. But then you know you need to be here, and he, like you know, then if he was flying and she tried to contact him, and he was unavailable to take a call, so then she said, right, well you'll have to have a pager because when I need you, I need you. And it became very unhealthy and sick, and yeah. really you know she was being really mean to him as well. Poor Bernie. Poor Bernie know, didn't deserve that. Poor Bernie. All that for what? $10 million. I don't know what, what he got to do for $10 million. I don't know. He was a hoot at a funeral. I think some people locally were a little bit concerned, but not overly. I mean, he was still out and about doing what he could do and he would do things like he was still in his shows and she just wouldn't turn up to them anymore. So he was he was trying to do that and there was sort of this idea that he'd be rehearsing and then she'd call and he'd have to say, I've got to go. So they were aware that she was very much manipulating him heavily. And they just, people weren't quite aware of what else was going on. But at this point, things sort of take a turn for the worst, shall we say. And in November 1996, so this is six years after her husband has passed and they've sort of come together, Teddy killed Nugent. <gasps> I thought he was going to die, but yeah, she didn't did. didn't see that coming, I did I didn't. You? No. Yes. He did it by shooting take her in the back bitch. four times with a .22 calibre rifle. Now, I don't oh understand God. much about rifles, the old 22, but I right? think that yep. the reason they had the rifle, and besides the fact that they were all armed all the time, was because they had an armadillo problem and she had him yep. shooting armadillos in their front garden. <laughs> that was oh, one of his did. jobs. And she, she said, you know, you are totally responsible for the state of this garden. Armadillo. Yeah, so they would have the, it was the armadillo gun. Doesn't she know they've got armour and they're bulletproof? Well, this obviously did some damage or certainly scared them off because that was the armadillo gun. (laughs) So what happens is they walk into the garage of the house and the sort of the pretense is that she had been giving him a hard time. And then something just snaps and he sees the gun. She's walking to the car, they're heading out, and he shoots her four times in the back and she dies. And so then he places her body in the freezer of the garage like in, you know we talk about the big cold the shed freezer. freezer i was yep. talking about it just the other day yep. Yep. <laughs> so he makes no attempt at trying to really hide the body or dispose of it and as someone pointed out he had access to an airplane if he really wanted to get rid of her he could have flown around yeah, over the golf and parlor, her. could have just he, there are a number of things that he he really could have done rolled her in cremated her when no one was but looking. he didn't so that was in november of 1996 he didn't mean to kill her, though, did he? What? Like, yeah, he did. yes, he shot her, but it wasn't premeditated. It's I don't think it was so. a snap Well, thing. no, I don't. I, I, that, that will come to bear whether or not it was. I'd, I think. I, he, I, I think he, I don't think he, it was. I reckon he meant to kill her, not not premeditated way, but just right. 
I'm fucked up. I'm done. I'm done. You ask me to clean one more fucking spilt red wine and you're dead. <laughs> it was things like, you know, cutting her fingernails and like really just, oh. you know, like being nice. The things server, you have like, to do for older people. Yeah, That's correct. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know that he signed up for it as a carer. No. He, he would have started with, oh, this is fun. We're going on holidays and we're companions. But then it moved into a carer role because she forced him to be the person yeah. that she had re- she relied on okay so bernie just sort of goes about business he doesn't go and tell anyone oh i shot mrs nugent he just whoopsies ca- carries on and in actual he wrote a fact, musical about it he becomes and then he directed even it. more generous <laughs> and more kind in some ways and what he starts to do is oh. he starts using her money to help others in the community like he's always done that and they would say like he was a bit of a he was a bit of a buyer. One of the examples they say is he drove a really beat up old car around, and that beat up old car had finance on it. Like so, he owed money, he had debt, and it wasn't like he ever spent money on himself. He'd go and give it to other people in the community. And, you know, so for instance, the church needed a new wing, and he was you know always promoting like putting money into that. And then he purchased a a really expensive over the top coffee house. I think that's what you call it. You know, like with a, a slide, tree a tree, house, a, 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 not a tree house, but like a really grandiose yeah, yeah. sort of like outstanding little house. Playhouse. Playhouse, yeah, that's yeah. it, with a slide yeah. for someone's daughter. Like he was always buying things for people, but he also spent a lot of money sort of civically. So he had um, given money for academic prizes. I think he'd paid, this must have cost a fortune. I do find this a bit odd. He'd pay, paid for the choir to go to Russia, I think at the local school. He was too basically, much, Bernie, too it was much. giving money to friends, giving money to civic groups, giving money to the church, but not always just money, helping as well and doing stuff. So he just kind of up, up the ante on that and people just thought he was the best. Oh, gosh, Bernie <laughs> could do no wrong. I wonder what Marjorie says about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that sort of plays out for a period of about nine months. And then in August of 1997, her friends, and probably with the help of the stockbroker, I think they have really want an answer. They, they haven't obviously spoken to Marjorie for some time. And it wasn't that they ever did, the family, right? They weren't really in contact with her, but the stockbroker was. And the stockbroker yeah. was sort of getting the runaround from Bernie. So at first Bernie didn't answer the phone for a number of weeks. And then by the time he finally spoke to the stockbroker, he was like, you know, oh, I didn't want to tell you this, but Marjorie's had a couple of minor strokes. She's sitting here with me, but she can't communicate. She's saying hi. So that he was able to hold Is off for quite a while. she's still in the freezer? Yeah, she's still in the freezer in amongst the frozen vegetables. What's the use-by date on a body in the freezer? I don't know. I guess it depends if it gets freezer burn or not, really, isn't it? You don't yeah. want to have things Red in it for too long. It probably depends what you're going to do with it. Yeah. Well, some people it's might good, eat it, yeah. but if you're not going to eat it, freezer burn doesn't really matter. I just That's feel true. like A wedding cake lasts for a long time, doesn't it? <laughs> I feel like you'd take it out before nine months. I mean, you know. You'd, Why? Well, because if you ever had to get anything else out of here, you'd go, fuck, there she is again. Yeah, well, she's got. they've got the veggies in there. Yeah, well, so... You know, I'd, I'd probably stop eating veggies so I didn't have to go into the freezer with I wouldn't go into her the freezer, body yeah. in it. No, that's like yeah. get rid of it. Well, yes. He does say later that he wanted to give her a proper burial and that doesn't surprise me because people were saying to him, what, but nine months. I don't know. He's just, at this point. God. He well, used to that, work in the industry, doesn't he? <laughs> no people? Sta- at standards. <laughs> you yeah, think so. I don't know why he doesn't deal with it any earlier, but, I mean, I guess it's kind of like he knows he's going to get caught. I don't, I don't it's know. It's a rookie error. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's, he I don't think, blow yeah. some cash. So the stockbroker and the son approach the house. The stockbroker and the son. That sounds yeah. like a movie. 
So they've grown concerned. They're like, okay, we're not buying his stories anymore. Let's go and check out. So they arrive at the house and Ron has declared, the daughter, the son, sorry, has declared his mother a missing person. And so he and his daughter turn up at the house in August of 1997 and he'd murdered her in November of 96. And that's when they search the house and then they go to the freezer and the freezer's actually taped up. So they think, what's going on here? Like, Oh, see, he's hidden, an idiot. Hidden under the vegetables. Oh, we all know that you bury the body in the backyard and then plant endangered species over the top so no one can dig it up. That's right. Is that right, Schmitty? Right. I, I was looking at Schmitty there for confirmation because she would yeah. know. Is that correct? That was something on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I, said, I think I tagged yeah. you both yeah, in yeah, that yeah. on Facebook, yeah. So <laughs> obviously suspect number one was Bernie and he was taken in for question pretty much immediately. I've been wondering where she was. She must have just fallen into yeah. the freezer. Is that where she yeah. went? He admitted to her murder immediately. Immediately, He had said that after the murder, he had prepared the body and placed it in the freezer. And the reason he was doing that was because he he always wanted to give her a proper farewell and burial. When you say prepared the body, did he? I don't know what he would have had access to. Well, I don't have more access to more details about that because I I think the point that, oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead of you, but what his version of preparing a body would be would be obviously much more intricate than anybody like some amateur or you know some joe blogs right so i don't us, I, us yes yeah. well not you because you would know but clarky and i if we had to yeah, yeah. prepare a body yeah. we'd, we'd have no idea we'd probably give you a call like Schmitty, yeah, that's right. i've got this body here what would you suggest i do in this situation what has what has worked for you in the past Eyelash extensions. Yes. Because I'm thinking, like, if I'm going to put meat in the freezer and I want to prepare it, I might might cut it up. Put it in small bags. We we have tandoori chicken for as one of our meals. And so sometimes I'll get the chicken breasts and I'll cut it up into strips and then I'll I'll marinate it in tandoori spices and then put it in the freezer like that. So it's prepared so that when we go to eat it, we just have to defrost it and cook it. I don't understand how he's preparing the body <laughs> in this because he's not going to have a viewing. What are you? What are you doing, mate? Are you cutting it Maybe up it so it fits? For I don't know what. I don't know what tools. So. I'm assuming he didn't take the body. I don't know though. There's nothing. I to just suggest. think he's cutting he it foot long bits. Back. No, she was one piece. She was she That's was frozen like a pot in a freezer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big box freezer, big box. Like just like in the fetal position or something. Dirty little old lady. No. (laughs) I don't think he prepared her very well if she's in that She was 81 at this point. She would have probably been quite a little lady unless she was like a a big Yeah, but also stuffed (laughs) pretty well. Like, you know, imagine if he's going to present her and she's in that squashed up position, comes out frozen. You can't then stretch that out and straighten her out. Well, I think if she if you defrosted her, she'd go all mushy. I think yeah. there is a thing yeah. there. But that's right. But what I'm Bodies saying are is frozen for too long. When they defrost, they go. But putting oh. makeup and stuff on is not preparing her for anything because she's going to be I don't know train smash on the other side. What that's yeah. but I, we don't that's, know what he was preparing. Her but that's, for. that's, that's my question, know. right? Yeah. What did he do to prepare her? Did he put her in tangerine spices for? <laughs> Maybe. For future later. meals, yeah. I, I don't so. know. And I think the preparation would have been somewhat basic because I don't think that he would have been – he wouldn't have had the tools at her house. Bernie, what think... are you having for dinner? I'm having tandoori <laughs> delo. Marjorie. 
Marjorie maybe he just cleaned. Maybe he just cleaned the wounds yeah. and yeah. got rid of the blood and changed her outfit and put some makeup maybe. on her and then popped her in the freezer. That sounds yeah. Too just to give her a little bit of dignity. Just yeah, that, that's maybe. how you that's would how... do it. I know, but I like, and also, as person. you know, when people die, they can actually defecate themselves or urinate oh, yeah. as the muscles uh, relax. So it's quite possible that's, that's that he cleaned the, that's all the of that up. Part of the shits and giggles that you've <laughs> had right. with this story. Tick tick tick. So the cleaning up might like the preparing her might have been to do with cleaning no. her up and giving her dignity in the freezer. No, that's washing. I, I don't know. I I'm surmise. still unsure. I'm going to ask him. I don't know what preparation he did. I would imagine it would be very limited, but I think it was probably, as Shuni said, just making sure that he tidied her up before he froze her. So he, he's brought in. He admits that he has murdered her, and he said that after the murder he had prepared the body and placed her in the freezer. After this Titi acknowledged using Nugent's money for civic activities, gifts to academic and civic groups and to friends. She had given him power of attorney over her funds, so it was he was certainly it was his to do money it. then. It was sort of kosher. Yeah. yeah, except she was dead. Except that he'd murdered yeah. her. Apart yeah. from yeah. that, yeah. It's small facts. So Everything going, else is fine. So you're going to <laughs> yeah. think at this point that I'm racing ahead, but I'm not. A jury Ooh. convicted Titi of first-degree murder and he was sentenced Are you racing ahead? And sentenced him to 50 years in prison. What? Jeez, 50 years? Yeah. Why? He'd murdered someone. Well, it is murder. Yeah. Of one it's person. Like he didn't get life. Like, he could have got four to 22 years or whatever we've seen in the past. <laughs> and then just move state and get it a lesser sentence, get it in six depends months. Depends where it is. Yeah, it depends the, the um, state that it's Well, in. he should have flown that plane to a state that was more lenient before he <laughs> shot her. But Swanee's about to tell us more. And this oh. is where I got excited, right? So. Oh, he's gone off to jail and you might be wondering where the International Movie Database and Variety come into it. Yeah. I'm guessing that this is where uh, they come into it. Correct. After the film Bernie was released in 2011. Really not to be mistaken with Weekend Remind at Bernie's. Remind me who played Bernie. I will, te- I will tell you. I'm about to tell you who played everybody, but I'll just tell you why it's important. After the film Bernie was released in 2011, attorney Jodie Cole became interested in TD's case and met with him, filing a post-conviction writ of Happiest corpus in which T.D. alleged his constitutional rights were violated in the first trial because of newly discovered evidence. He further alleged in the writ that the 81-year-old Nugent was controlling and emotionally abusive towards him and that he had murdered her in a disassociative state resulting from years of sexual abuse as a child by an uncle. Um, what? Dun, dun, dun. That's a stretch. (laughs) Yeah, didn't see that coming. So would you like to know about the movie Bernie? Yes, please. Because I have watched it. Who? Now you're thinking that Bob Down would play the character. Yes, um, totally. You are far off. Bob Down did not play him. Jack Black. That's it. Played. Jack Black yes, plays yeah, Bernie. Right. Now remember, I've seen it years ago. It came back to me when yes. you were telling the story. And Jack I thought, Black, I think I've seen this. You may or may yeah. not recall. You probably remember him from like School of Rock and movies. Like, can yeah. sing, right? He's a portly mm-hmm. little yes, he guy. Can. Yes, he's got this. You know, he he can be really cute. Didn't and, you know, he sing kind. that song about um, the devil? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's his band, Tenacious that, D. Yeah, Tenacious, yeah, the, the song that the greatest Something song that about. ever was. <laughs> That's or, or right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so he plays. He also he also um, was in the holiday. You know the yeah. film the holiday, yeah. and he he plays a songwriter in that, and he does this whole. He's, he's going through all the soundtracks and all the little um, musical riffs, and he's explaining to 
Kate Winslet, I think it is, and he does this one about driving Miss Daisy. I think it is. It's like <laughs> so cute. That is totally anyway. Cute. Yes, Jack Blake, very cute. Yeah. So you know, you could imagine Jack with a little moustache and you know, little poor little thing, cute, kind. Sings like an angel, you know, lots of flourishes. So that's our little Bernie. Any ideas on who might have played um, Mrs. Nugent? Uh, Cranky old bird. Now, it. Olympia Dukakis. Oh, good choice. Go the other one. Go the other one. Oh. What's her name in Steel Magnolias? Um, That's right. You're close. You're so close. Crazy. I've just been angry for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, Weezer. Yes, Weezer, yeah. Shirley MacLaine. Shirley, Shirley MacLaine. MacLaine. And yeah, in yeah. hindsight, I think Betty White was robbed. She should have played. No, that she's part. not angry she's enough. Not angry she's enough. Oh, she can do angry. <laughs> and then the part there. So there's three main characters. There's the part of um, the district attorney, and think of someone who was also he's Texan. And this Matthew one, Matthew McConaughey. So, yes, is that the only person you know? Oh. How'd you get that? Uh, just because we like Matthew McConaughey. And, yeah. Well, there you go. And he likes playing a, a lawyer. He likes that. Yeah. 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 I know. It feels like he's just playing himself as the lawyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Time to kill. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, that so this is a movie that was uh, directed by Richard Linklater, and that's important because it comes up a little bit later. So this movie. Because <laughs> you link it in later. Oh, later. later. Exactly. But a ching. So after the release of this film, can you believe it? Like, and I've watched the film. I, I'm sure there are lots of films about other crimes that are committed that don't warrant this kind of response. It's as a result of the movie coming out and this attorney seeking, you know, some more information, trying to work out what really has happened and what's what was Bernie's true motivation Weezer. in killing Mrs. Nugent that things take a, things take a change. The Texas Criminal Courts of Appeal approved the writ. According to Rod, who I don't know if that is, Teddy was alien had Teddy had alienated Nugent from her family, friends, and business associates mm. of her late husband. Yeah. So that's what the son was saying. Oh right. I've right. confused you there, sorry. So it's two different bodies. So her family are now coming and saying, Well, you know, we want all her money and we want something terrible to happen to him. He's a, he's a he's criminal. You know, she alienated us from him. She took she took him away from us. And meanwhile, everybody else is saying that she's done that to him, right? Because she was yeah. the bad guy, so all the local, a lot of the local people are saying there was two very distinct camps. There were the camp that were totally pro Bernie, and they these you know God fearing people knew that he had murdered her. They knew that he'd committed. He'd said that he'd done it, but they were still like, "Go easy on him because he's a good person." And she's pushed him to this point. That's you know, it's, it's of his her doing. It's not he's just had enough. And then there were other people on the side that were like, "Oh well, yeah, that's all well and good, but he still murdered her." So you get these two distinct camps. So the character played by Matthew McConaughey is oh, uh, District Attorney Buck Davidson, Danny Buck Davidson. And when he was interviewed, he said the town of Carthage was split up in regards to the opinion of Teedy. Davidson recounted to the Longview News Journal, people remember Teedy as being real nice and doing nice things and they'd like my office to go real easy on him. And then there's a group that wants no mercy. And... <laughs> What is hang em hard. What is really <laughs> awesome about this film is actually just the little. They do like sort of this interview style. Where they they speak to all the locals, but clearly they're actors, whatever else. But the the charm comes in the mm-hmm. way Texans speak and their little sayings and you know <laughs> so southern. It is really uh, really tickled me because they're the old people essentially, you know, and they're all you know very adamant about their opinions, whichever way they are. 
and that it's always wrapped in this lovely little nugget of a saying that is so southern that I just I find it charming. So it's a nice film actually. No, someone's I murdered. It was a great film. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's sweet. Even the way they handle the murder, it's not, it's not gruesome in no, any way. No, not at all. It's quite sudden. You're like, oh, okay. Yep. So shortly after entering the Texas Department of Criminal Justice in 1999, this is when he first gone in, he'd been attacked by fellow inmates. But other than that, during his entire imprisonment, he was described, not unsurprisingly, as the model prisoner. Was he attacked? He for taught doing health classes theater? and participated in the prison's choir. <laughs> Impromptu. Well, he was. Uh, I saw somewhere also he was teaching people how to cook. Dance. He was doing lots of like. He was just such a do-gooder and helping everybody mm. be better versions of themselves. He was everyone's friend. Yeah, he's Punch. so bobbed down. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But things take an interesting turn in May two thousand fourteen. Davidson and a visiting judge, Diane DeVasto of Tyler, which is a place in Texas, allowed Teddy to be released from prison that month on a $10,000 bail after his attorney, Jody Cole, had learned that Teddy had been sexually abused as a child, I mentioned that before, for multiple mm. years by an uncle. Cole theorised that Teddy shot Nugent while in a brief disassociative episode brought on by her abusive behaviour of him, a theory backed by forensic psychiatrist Richard Pesikoff. To quote Pesikoff, Mr. Teddy's ability to repress and compartmentalise the abusive events from childhood and adolescence was ultimately overwhelmed by the repeated and extensive psychological abuse he suffered from Mrs. Nugent. The end result, his loss of control over his emotions and behaviour, is evidenced in his final actions towards Mrs. Nugent. So they're saying that because, you know, all this trauma had happened to him as a child, she's pushed him too far, he's become, you know, disassociated from what's really gone on and he's shot her. Not true. It also has been suggested that Teddy's <laughs> handwritten confession, a major factor in the murder being considered first degree, was strongly influenced by the prosecution's threat of leaking private videotapes of Teddy. Now, I can't find any reference to this anywhere, and so I don't know what those videotapes were of. I could take a wild guess. Schmidt <laughs> <laughs> might be close there based on that little hand movement. But there's no other reference and there's certainly not in anything else that I've seen. So I can only go on what I'm reading here and that's a reference from um, Wikipedia. When presented with the new evidence, Davidson agreed that he had known this information, sorry, had he had known this information in the original trial, he would have sought a lighter sentence. Mm. Interestingly, Nugent's family learned about Teddy's release through media reports. They weren't informed. Her granddaughter expressed shocked that the release was granted and claimed that Richard Linklater's 2011 film, Bernie, had influenced the legal system. And I suspect she's probably right. <laughs> Certainly by well, of course it how had. it came about, there's no doubt that yeah. that was at sort of the starting point. The Nugent's family created a website to honour Nugent's memory, posting photos of her and articles relating to the murder. That said, they had been nowhere for years. They, I mean, at one point there's reference in the movie that says that the daughter, the granddaughter, had tried to, to sue their grandmother for money and that had been four years before her death and there'd never been another conversation, they'd made no contact with her. So when they were on oh, you know, the witness stand or whatever else and they were crying about finding their mother's, their grandmother's, it was her grandmother's, sorry, her grandmother's body in the freezer, they were like, but when was the last time you spoke to her and weren't you su suing her? And, you know, they, they're, not, they're not squeaky clean by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but she was our grandmother. It's our choice yes, to ignore her exactly. for four years. Yeah. Doesn't mean we're not sad that someone murdered her. <laughs> now, this is interesting. Between the time of his release in 2014 and then he had a resentencing hearing in April 2016, Teeny resided in Austin, Texas, 
at what is known as a garage apartment of the filmmaker Richard Linklater. So Rick, Richard Linklater. Is that, is that a, a, a garage with an apartment up the top? Yes, which is um, very common. Like a yeah. mezzanine? It's yeah. a very was, common thing in Texas. Was Richard Linklater gay? He wasn't even there, and I'll tell you how I know that, but it was a condition of his release. So it says here, this is where my, you know how I said that I use variety as a a source. Mm -hmm. The headline is Richard Linklater on Living with Bernie Teeny, subhead. The Austin filmmaker opens up about his friendship with the now ex-con subject of his 2012, 2011 movie, Bernie. And this is from 2014. And it reads, less than two months ago, a judge in Panola County, Texas, ordered the early release of Bernie Teeny. The now 55-year-old convicted murderer, played by Jack Black in Richard Linklater's 2012 black comedy, Bernie. One of the conditions that Teeny lived in Linklater's garage apartment. It got reported strangely, the director admits. There were headlines like, Judge orders murderer to live with filmmaker. There were jokes immediately on the I internet. Think that's like, fair. like Zodiac Killer crashing at, Zodiac sorry, Zodiac Killer crashing at Finches. Austin's kind of a garage apartment town. So it's not a big deal for me to let Bernie live there while he gets back on his feet, he continues. But it sounded almost as if the judge had said, okay, Austin Liberal, you want to let him out? Well, fine, he's got to live with you. And this had come up also in the movie where they talk about how Texas is basically five states within a state. And, you know, I think you've probably heard of this, is it South by Southwest, there's like a festival that they hold in Austin. Austin is considered this like one little spot within all of Texas that is like much more liberal and quite cool. Then they talk about like the carcinogenic coast, which is like Houston, where the oil wells are. And then, you know, Tex-Mex down closer to the Mexican border. So there's all these different areas. But that's what this reference is referring to, saying, you know, the movie makers in there, you know, they're so liberal and, you know, if you want him out, then he's your responsibility. So, But but did the judge order him to stay there? Well, yes. Yeah, it was part of the conditions. Well, well, I feel like that's exactly what the judge said. (laughs) (laughs) It does say what didn't get reported immediately was the fact that TD's release marked the culmination of roughly a two-year concerted effort by Linklater and others, chiefly Danny Buck Davidson, the district attorney who prosecuted T for the 1996 murder of his 81-year-old companion, their goal to reduce his sentence. To reduce Teed's sentence to serve time, 17 years, in light of new facts dug up by Jodie Cole, a local attorney, who became intrigued by the case after seeing Bernie. So they weren't saying they hadn't done it. They were just saying, look, if we'd known all of these other things at the time of sentencing originally, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have gone. Years and that, that's Matthew McConaughey. We wouldn't have pushed so hard for, you know, that. Yeah. 50 years was too long anyway. A psychiatrist report revealed that Teedy had experienced sexual abuse as a child, a detail that considerably impacted Davidson's view of the motive for the crime. The report said Teedy's history left him vulnerable to unhealthy relationships, bearing out the notion that Nugent's psychological hold on him had pushed him over the edge. Poor Bernie. Oh, my God. I know, right? I know. That sounds lovely, but it wasn't quite to be. So the resentencing trial began in April 6, 2016. During the resentencing trial, Marjorie's granddaughter, Shannon Nugent, spoke directly to Bernie and stated, you are nothing to me. I wouldn't think that had bothered him terribly. Shana, okay. yeah, yeah. Shana and her father, Roger. Sorry, who are yeah. you? <laughs> you weren't, I don't, you never met you, interestingly, when I was with your grandmother for six years. Yeah. Actually, I'm $10 million richer than you. <laughs> <laughs> the granddaughter and her father both asserted that Marjorie was a kind woman on good terms with her family in contrast to the betrayal in the film, certainly, who Teddy conned in order to spend her fortune without her knowledge. Other witnesses' testimonies differed. 
For instance, Gregg County Commissioner Daryl Primo testified that in a conversation he had had with Marjorie between 91 and 96, she spoke favourably of Bernie's spending as she proclaimed, I'll spend every dime of my money before I leave it to my family. Meryl Rhodes, the victim's sister, recalled of Marjorie, I was always afraid of her. I never forgot that she was my sister. I always loved her as a sister, actually even when she did ugly things, and she did. Meryl's son, John Rhodes, attested to the movie's accurate portrayal of his aunt. He noted several acts of his aunt's abusive behaviour towards him in a, New York's in a New York Times article titled How My Aunt Marge Ended Up in the Deep Freeze. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. my Lord. Oh, sensitive. Oh, Absolutely. So you can I would find totally that. click on that. So all, and I mean, this, I've got all of this. It's sort of, they were all, you know, called up to testify and, He'd already written the article about how much of an old witch she was. So that was, again, going against the son and the granddaughter. So the aunt yeah. and the nephews and that are saying, well, no, she was, she was, she was more she than a handful. Us she, she loved us. She, she was so kind. She would have happily left all of her money to us. On April 22, 2016, the jury of 10 women, excuse me, and two men issued a new sentence of 99 years or life for TD. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. After three what? weeks of testimony. This is outrageous. They had deliberated for just over four hours. I don't understand. No. TD resided in the Telford unit of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for at least 15 years. As of 2021, TD was incarcerated at John B. Connolly unit of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice in Kennedy, Texas. He's not eligible for parole until August 3, 2029, which will be a day after his 71st birthday, which I think is really sad. That's mm. an outrage. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know. I know that I'm a little bit sort of enchanted by the film, but even before yeah. I'd watched it, I I sort of thought, it, it just seems like some of the crimes we look at, I just don't mm -hmm. get the whole People numbers. who get to have concurrent, like murder three people yeah, and have concurrent right. yeah, sentences yeah. and yeah. only actually get 30 years in total well, as a result two of that. 2 to 22 years or whatever it is where they get out after two years even though they've been convicted yeah. of murder. Did So he went in in 99, did you say, Was when he was first? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So he's yeah. going to have at least 30 years in jail for killing Weezer. Yeah. Shocking. Do you think that because he left her in the freezer for nine months that that played into Well, that would have worked against him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, certainly in the film they... Particularly because <laughs> she was marinated in tangerine spices. But what Buck does in the first part is they move the trial away from Carthage to another jurisdiction because he's so yeah, light. Prejudiced. Yeah, because he's so yeah. light. It's usually the opposite. He's so light, so they have to take it somewhere else. And they describe these people terribly as, you know, rednecks with no brains and not, you know, all that. So what Buck does at the time is he really heavy, he weighs heavily, leans heavily into the the high life that he enjoyed with Marjorie when they were travelling. And, you know, he says, you know, you're, you're a very cultured man and you like all these things and, you know, you like going to the theatre and, you know, really painting him as a bad person for having, for being so very different to the, probably the people that were standing he was standing in front of. But by the, the time it comes to the retrial and whatever else, you would have thought that they were able to focus more on his backstory but I don't think that that really played out so well for him either. So there you go. That is the story of Marjorie Nugent's death um, and mm. her murder by the mortician murderer, Bernie Teedy. I think it's interesting the timeline though because 99 versus 2014, attitudes around domestic abuse have changed Massively. significantly in that period. Yes, agreed, yeah. agreed. 
so even if you'd brought in the psychological impact of this bloke having been uh, sexually abused as a child in 99 may not have got anywhere with anyone no sympathy deaf ears and this you know this idea of a little old lady how could she possibly be controlling him etc but then come forward 2014 when we're a bit more woke at the time then all of a sudden it's like oh he's he's the victim but that's almost like the the tragedy of the whole thing then to get 99 years to life are we are we more are we more woke with domestic violence of women against men yet I, I feel like that's still not properly being talked about I think we're more woke about people who well technically he murdered her but he was a victim because of, of the domestic yeah, yeah I think we but absolutely so, are I think, I think we absolutely are the first thing we talked about when this started was her coercive control well you did but I think that yeah. if we if if the if the genders were reversed I think Nowadays, and I mean 2022, not even 2014, we would be very empathetic towards the female for having had those things happen to her. If she had been abused by an uncle and had have had a male partner who was coercively controlling her, I think there would have been a lot of empathy. I think nowadays for Statistically, men, I don't think that's true. No, well, I think nowadays 100% more than back then. So I think we're more aware of that now, more... I don't think we're doing a good job of it, but I think we're much more aware of it. I don't think the concept of men being suffering domestic violence to women is very well understood. And I think it's probably in some ways still a little bit uh, nonsensical to a lot of men particularly, um, but also some women. Statistically, women who murder their partners after years of abuse, in terms of their prison sentence, they don't get off light at all. No, I know. Yeah, but that's a lot of they lot of historic have... a lot of history. You know, yeah. there's been is, is instances we've discussed where it's not even illegal to do that. Sorry for a man to kill the woman. For a man to kill his wife. Correct. Yeah, no, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when a woman kills her husband because he's been beating her for you know twenty years. Correct. And it's in self defence. Quite often, the woman is still given a really harsh sentence, and there's no leniency. But so this is exactly the opposite of that, right? The man no, has I killed know, and the I think... woman and got ninety nine years. In 2014, which is really weird, but if if a woman had killed the man in 99, she probably would have been executed. <laughs> you know, like so he got 50 years. Yeah. If we looked at similar things at the oh. time, or got life at the time, so there is an imbalance. There definitely is an imbalance. But but we've seen this an imbalance from person A to person B. Yeah, yeah. I know, think that's like to it, me it more interesting. It just doesn't seem right? to be any rhyme or reason about, or, or there's no like playbook that says okay, this is what's happened, so we're going to sentence in this area. Every time we talk about this, we're shocked at how much time someone has or hasn't been given for whatever it is that they've done. Every single time. If I look at at this in pure isolation, let's say they are in a relationship, he walks into the garage and shoots her in the back four times, that simple act in isolation to me doesn't warrant 50 years. That's straight-out murder, you get life sentence for it. That that's my non legal mind working, right? I don't understand the ins and outs of it, but I kind of go, well, you get life for murder, and therefore you've murdered someone, you get life. I don't know why that would mean fifty years in that instance. There's nothing that kind of makes me go, it was horrendous. 
But 25 years would make sense. 50 years, what on earth? Like, Unless you said there are extenuating circumstances because she's been, you know, abusing him for X period. But it doesn't sound like but they that took would that talk into it account down, at all. But that would talk it down, not up. What, exactly. what talks it From up? life to 50 years. Yeah. From life to 50 years, right? So first time around, unless there was something. Yes, exactly. So here we have a second case where we're bringing in new evidence and we're able to try him again by saying this poor man is actually this terrible victim. And so instead of saying you poor thing, no, you're never coming out again. You're a danger to society. I find it. With all your musical theatre and your singing and your (laughs) funereal carry-on. You're a danger. And your maracas. We don't want your kind around here. Your maracas at a funeral. We don't want that. It is bizarre. It is bizarre. I don't don't see it. I I don't understand. I don't doubt that her family feel cheated by the whole thing. And I think regardless of their relationship with her, the fact that her money went to somebody who murdered her looks manipulative, looks like he's manipulated her. And and I could understand 100% why they would feel that way. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I kind of understand why they would be arguing that point. And I'm I'm kind of okay with it. And also I want their money. You know, well, of course I they want do. The money. Of, of course so, they do. But but so of does I'm going to argue that. But so does he, right? He kind of got himself into that situation because he wanted the money. You know, he left a job he loved. He no, I don't think that's true. Really? Why do you reckon he did that? I don't he think he that? entered it. To... I think Bernie was actually just a kind person, and he felt sorry for her to start with, because no one liked her. She was isolated, and her husband had just died. And I honestly think he was just being nice. And she, as, as Carla said, she seemed to be lighter. She if, seemed to be nicer. If she didn't have she, the money and didn't take him on holidays, would he still do it? But that happened Why didn't later. He her? That wasn't immediately. Oh. It, I think she chose him as well, though. It wasn't 100% just she, she chose did. Her. No, no, I'm okay with that. But what I'm saying is, from the family's point of view, I don't think his intent was as pure and genuine as, as you might think. I think that he got amazing holidays that he got to spend some time with someone he probably yeah. liked but he he didn't ha- really have any claim to that money other than it was kind of nice to have I, I think he was absolutely coerced into that with the reward of money and and that could be why she got nastier and nastier towards him and more controlling yeah because you know she's like well fine if you're going to take my money you're going to earn it yeah. oh yeah. To- totally yeah yeah but it is interesting it's like you know you, you just said clarky then you know that he wasn't really entitled to her money and that's the thing where it does become quite interesting because who is entitled to her money do you know what yeah. i mean it's like well, so look look at it this way the family had to put up with her bad behavior <laughs> and she cut them off he yeah. had to put up with her bad behavior and he murdered her yeah. like I, I can see why the family would be going hang on a minute you know we just didn't talk to her for four years he killed yeah. her yeah, like yeah. who's worse here? And and I, I, again, I don't I don't think the money is the family's by any stretch. I kind of get annoyed at people who think that a, a, an inheritance is an entitlement. I, I just yeah. don't think that's the case. But no. mm. I think the fact that he killed her kind of makes you go, well, hang on a minute. What was really going on here? And why why couldn't he just walk away? Was she threatening to kill him? Probably not. Was she threatening to cut him off? Probably. But the fact that he can't have access to her money doesn't warrant 
murder. I don't see him as angelic. But he did have access he to her money. Access he to had money. full access. He had power of attorney. But yeah, what I'm saying, she had given it over years but earlier. But what I'm saying so is, what's the what's stopping him walking away then, rather than nothing, murdering he her? He could have cleaned out the um, bank exactly. accounts and left, and, and which, I, which which tells you that. He, his murdering her wasn't on his plan. You're right. If he wanted to leave, he could have his taken anything. Her, but but his relationship with her wasn't as genuine either, right? He wasn't. I don't think he was as much a victim as he would like us to think. I think that he was on a pretty bloody good wicket, but maybe got fed up with her at one point. Now whether that's to do with dissociative behaviour from his uncle or whether he's just gone. And in the heat of the moment, oh, I can tell you, I live with you. my mother, and it is difficult to live with a person who is constantly bitching at you, complaining about everything. And yet, you haven't shot her. Not yet. She's no. too quick. See, that's because yeah, yeah. you don't have guns in That's because you got a hip. <laughs> yeah, that's because of Port Arthur. We've got gun control, yeah. so we don't. So we don't. I can't shoot her. But see again. I... But she is infuriating, and I'm not beholden to her. You know, I've but, got my own is... financial stream, etc., and I'm not around her all the time. He created an environment. Sorry, she created an environment where he had to be around her on call. Available to her all the time. Also, and got a fuckload of money crazy. for it. I'm, yeah, I'm but, not saying that wouldn't drive you crazy. What I'm saying is, if you choose to kill that person, you're not an angel. If no, you know, like when when we talk about coercive control in the reverse with genders, often the woman is in fear of her life if she leaves, and therefore yeah. has no option but to yeah. murder yeah, the other he person. Could've left, could've, he could yeah. he could have walked away at any moment. Do you think, though, I mean, I guess the argument is that he, in that moment that he killed her, he wasn't planning to kill her. He probably wasn't even thinking about killing her prior. It was just the gun was there and, and he just behaved in that way. That's I, I the think, argument. Well, well, I think for me I could see that happening without the dissociative behaviour of his uncle, right, and kind of to the point you were just talking about with your mum, there would totally be time for you to just go, the red mist I'm descends. so fucking angry yeah. with you in this moment. Yeah. Of course you wouldn't do it, but... I, I kind of understand because we don't have that, and it, it would almost be, yeah, yeah. It'd almost be <laughs> better though to be saying done. she pushed me one too many times. Like you know, yeah. she was horrible. I was to provoked, me. Your Honour. I, I would rather hear that than something about a dissociative behaviour from an uncle yeah. when at any moment you could have walked away. In the heat of the moment, she pushed my buttons one too many times, and I got her. I lost my shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think 25 years I'm comfortable with, 50 I'm not, and 99 I fucking what? I don't get (laughs) it. I just don't get it. But I don't think he's as much of a victim as perhaps the movie that I haven't seen would have us believe. I mean, fuck, I've seen Weezer. should be let off. And Weezer needed a good, she at least needed that slapping she got. good slap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was close. I didn't get quite. It's, it's something like, I ain't crazy, Luann. Yeah. I've just been pissed off for 40 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but that. there's there's yeah. a scene where they, don't hit me, hit her. And that's, yeah. <laughs> like, Bang. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I I just was going to say that I think the defence attorney, whose name we don't know from the first trial. I couldn't find it. I was going to have a crack at them. But, but then having said that, he only got 50 years that time around. Yeah. Maybe all these do-gooders who got themselves involved in trying to reduce his sentence and then it all went badly wrong, maybe they should learn to shush Mm. mind their own business and allow the justice system the first time around just to let it go and say, well, that's what happened. I struggle. I don't know who I want to sentence. Anyway, so I feel like I want to sentence the family to a little bit of greed, but for the murder. The murder changes it all for me. I kind of go... 
I think they just wanted the money and and a lot of people are like that and it annoys me a bit. But once he murdered her, I kind of go, you know what? You weren't all you Cracked were. Up to be. Pretending to be. Yeah, yeah. Would she have made you power of attorney or even given you any money if she had known you were going to murder you? Murder? You know, just do what everyone else does and, and don't talk to her. Walk away. Sometimes things aren't tidy and that's the problem with this. It's, there's not a tidy... It's not black and white, is Resolution. It? Yeah. No, and that's the problem. No. So, for instance, when, I, when you start off with this and him being painted the way he is, which is this man who initially you think, oh, what's he up to? Why is he hanging out with the dirty little old ladies? Sch- Schmitty's doing Bob <laughs> Down faces. <laughs> I am. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Mr. At that point, Smiley, you, happy. you think there might oh, be Oh, you've died. Let me yeah, sing yeah, a song. Let's bring some glitter yeah. to your funeral. But it was sort of, the point was sort of made a few times that he wasn't interested in women his own age. So at first you sort of think he... wasn't interested in women. Correct. Not not sexually, but but maybe, you know. No. But the fact, you know, but at first you're thinking what's his motive to be only interested in and being so kind to the elderly women. Little old ladies. Because they're all about to pop their clogs. What were they, dirty little old ladies? Dirty little old ladies. Lols. It was those darling little old ladies. But then there's nothing in his character that I can see that suggested that it was terribly untoward. Apart from murder. Uh, I, I did I did see some, well, no, I'm talking about just the connection with old ladies to start with, but then I did read one place or heard one place, I think it was just somebody's testimony, was the fact that he particularly liked she was the richest old lady in town. So th- there I is think, that. I think that's interesting because he kept going back, didn't he, despite the fact that she shut Correct. the door. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I... He did persevere, and I would I would imagine she would have taken quite a bit of perseverance. So it depends on what you want to believe. If you want to think that he was, you know, a really good person, which the town folk really seemed to want to, maybe he was a camp man who really didn't know who loved how the money, but he loved the adoration of the older ladies because he really was, you know providing a service at the back end of people's lives that people need and if he was so good at it that I can understand why they adored him so much. So I guess he just used, you know, he worked that audience because that were the the people he liked. I understand that. But, you know, he just said maybe he was a bit more lost than we give him credit for and he was not so great. I don't know. I don't know. So sorry for those of you who are on the edge of your seats waiting for us to sentence someone. Uh, This is one of those really grey cases, I think. A hung jury. So it's a hung jury, I think, yeah, yeah. It wasn't intentional. I didn't think, oh, gee whiz, seeing as a trial by wine, I seem to stuff up not the wine bit. Now I can't even get the trial bit either. <laughs> <laughs> do you understand the concept, Carla? No, there, there is definitely. <laughs> We're a year in. Do you get can it? Someone, can someone um, <laughs> message of. in and remind us it's only what the great yeah. punishment is? Because then I could probably sentence the family to some of that. Yeah, okay. Um, someone send us a thing on our Facebook, that's Trial by Wine, uh, or you can tweet us on Trial by Wine podcast or you can send us an email at trialbywine at gmail.com and tell us what you think Clarkie should or how you think Clarkie should sentence the family for greed. Yes. Can you throw in some and kind of incentive from your clown passions? It sounds like you're about to use your clown passions voice then. We do have our merch as long as you aren't somewhere in um, where international post costs far too much, Clarkie will very kindly, I'm sure, send you a trial-by-wine stemless the, the wine best, glass. The best suggestion gets the trial-by-wine glass for sure. The judge's decision is final. All right, Swanee. Well, thanks very much. That was a good one. 
Um, and I might have to go and watch Bernie yeah, again. We've been seeing it. I might have to watch, watch it once. Shits yeah. and giggles. Go and see it. It's for worth the, watching. The, it's a good film. Yeah. The old people. The ways are factor. Some of those, yes, that, you know, cranky old lady, not even necessarily um, that character, but some of the old ones who are commentating, on, I think they were really cute. Yeah, nice. Good one, Swanee. And as we say every week, and again, happy anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary. Miss you already. Ciao, darling. Ciao. Bye. 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 Until next time, bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.